Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Theater as we talk to you about college basketball, college football, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's stupid rules, and write that down predictions here on episode 127. There are a total of 10 cities in the United States that has a team in every major league sports franchise, that being the MLB, the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, and of course, the MLS Major League Soccer. Can either of you name, you know, half of these teams? Let's see who can name, or half of these cities, right? Can anybody here, you two, Kyle and Mike, name at least five of these cities? So, like, do you want each of us to, like, go one at a time? So I'll do one, Kyle do one? How do you want to do this? Make a competition out of it. So who's going first? And Oh, sorry. Say the say the sports again. So we got NFL, NBA, MLS, MLB, and um, which one? Which one did you miss? NHL. NHL. Okay. Hockey as well. Uh, Mike can go first because he actually listened. Okay. Name, am I naming one or as many as I can name? You go one, and we'll go back and forth. New York City. Correct. Los Angeles. Correct. Minneapolis. Correct. Detroit. Incorrect. Remember my last team, Miami. Correct. Dallas. Correct. Houston. Incorrect. Oh, they don't have an NHL team, idiot. Denver. Correct. Chicago. Correct. How many are left? Uh, three more. Right. One, two, three. Yeah, three. Tampa Bay. Incorrect. They don't have a football team. No, they don't have. Oh, yeah, a- they do. Yeah, they have football. Oh, wait, no. Technically, that works for this year because Toronto's playing in Tampa Bay. No, they're playing in Dundee. It's also not their team. And, and also, I- Tampa Bay isn't a city. It's a body of water. Final guesses? Um, Phoenix? Incorrect. The other three were Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington. I mean, you didn't give me my rebuttal, but... No. Philadelphia, Washington, and... Oh, yeah, Philadelphia, Washington, and Boston. Boston has an MLS team? Who? Boston has an MLS team, the New England Revolution. Oh, I forgot about the Revolution. Team. I even thought about Boston and said, no, they don't have an M- MLS team. They do, though. But yeah, I missed Washington and Philly. I should have gotten them. Yeah, Washington's uh, team is what, DC United, I think. Yeah. I don't know that because it was on a uh, trivia night question one time. I was at a trivia night. Nice. There you go. Now, now you got some trivia here on the YouTube. How's the fun? That is some fun factual trivia. You are best. Nice, nice. Junior, this has been fun. It's been another fun week in Cyclone basketball. And Kyle's going to fill us in on why it has been such a fun week in Cyclone basketball. Yeah, so uh, TJ just keeps making in a lot of, in my opinion, as well as the opinions of a lot of sports writers, he has made a some very solid additions to this team. Uh, So today, uh, Monday, April 19th, he picked up the commitment from Tristan Inaruna, who is a former four-star forward slash guard. Um, He committed to play for Kansas last year, played one season in very limited minutes for the Jayhawks. He only averaged 2.8 points per game uh, on 51% shooting from the floor. Obviously, an extremely small sample size. But the thing is here, 
is a four, he's a former four-star player with tremendous upside. Uh, this team just continues to get bigger and longer as well. Uh, we've seen that with the commitments that he has gotten previously. Um, he's going for defense, rebounding, and some players who can shoot the ball from the outside. Tristan at 6'8", he will be one of those stretch players who can shoot threes from the wing, um, but can also take take players down to the block too. Um, Quickly, so it's only been a month and a day since uh, TJ has been announced the head coach of this program, but since then he has hired quietly, I think, a very solid staff, retained players that he's needed to retain uh who have great upside for this team and for this program going forward and he's brought in some key recruits as well as keeping one of the best recruits in program history uh last week as we talked about in Tyrese Hunter speaking of recruitment he also locked in the commitment of uh Lipsy the star point guard out of Ames High School uh in the 2022 recruiting cycle um, Lipsy came out and said the reason why he committed so early was because he's always dreamed of being a Cyclone basketball player going to Hilton ever since he was a kid growing up in Ames and ever since uh, he ever since TJ took the job he said he has been a constant uh, a constant player that uh, TJ has continued to try and build a relationship with um, and he mentioned the fact that he was able to keep Tyrese Hunter as one of the um, reasons that it made his decision to stay with Iowa State. Uh, he was even quoted in his press release that if Hunter is still there, when uh, Lindsey becomes a cyclone, they could form one of the best backcourt duos in the country. I think that is a very real, real possibility, um, both being uh, four-star players, you can't obviously rely on stars as Tyrese Halliburton, our beloved Tyrese Halliburton was only a three-star player coming in, but TJ has made a made solid guard play a priority for this team while going and getting some big, uh, big man presence from the, uh, in the, to shore up the front court as well for the team. So it, I think it's put the magic back in Hilton and next year could be a pretty fun year, but I think the 2022 season might be where it all comes together. It could be a pretty short rebuild for this team. Yeah. I've also been impressed with um, what he's doing. And one of the keys um, to the transfer is something that the NCAA just approved here in uh, the last week. They approved a one-time transfer rule for basketball, right? So remember previously, if you transferred in basketball, except after you graduated, you either had to sit out for a year or get a waiver from the NCAA to play immediately. Now that's just been gotten rid of. So now the first time that you transfer, you can now be immediately eligible to play. So all of these transfers that you've heard flowing in and out of all the programs, it's happening everywhere. Um, that um, now they will be able to play immediately at whatever school they're transferring to without having to get a waiver. This is one time. You can only do it once. You can't just transfer wherever you want. If you try to transfer a second time, um, you would have to sit out or get a waiver. Um, that process would continue. But it's, it's going to allow for more transferring and the transfer portal 
will continue to be busy with change. It was highly anticipated. So it's not like it was out of the blue. And that's probably why you saw so many transfers this year as they were anticipating this rule coming into, into effect. Um, but now that it has, yeah, you'll see a lot more of those transfers signed now too, because they know now for sure they will not have to sit out. It's good for the sport in some ways, in my opinion, and bad for it in others. It's good because now you don't have some of your best players sitting on the sidelines, right, for seasons sitting out. But also it sort of creates a little bit of an open season that you can basically just go wherever you want. Basically, yeah, you're not, you're not getting more than a one-year commitment from guys. It used to be, you unless the guy was so good he was going to go pro after one year, you were getting a three or four year commitment out of the guy. Now you're certainly, that's certainly not the case. Good for so, the players to get more autonomy to do what they want, but it's definitely going to create less veteran teams than we've seen in the past. Right. I actually listened to an interview with Mac Brown. Uh, a lot of our listeners might know he was the former head football coach uh, at the University of Texas, Horns Down. Uh, now the head football coach at North Carolina. And he talked about the fact that when he's making relationships with these kids, uh, recruiting them out of high school, he wants kids to stay in his program. He's one of those old school guys. If he's building a relationship with a player, he's picking players that he thinks are going to fit their system. He doesn't want kids to uh, flee at the first sign of adversity. I think that is to some degree maybe what might be happening uh, right now in the basketball landscape as well. Uh, you saw that with a couple or with a Duke recruit, as well as a Kentucky re- recruit this year. Um, they, they flew from the program at the first sign of adversity and they're not really sticking around. But the thing with this rule is it does give some of those kids who might not think that their playing time is as they should be or what they expect it gives them a, per, a chance to go to a another program, maybe a mid-major, and make more of a name for themselves there as well, and right away too, so they don't have to can do or they don't have to sit out a year and wait like some of our Cyclone fans might remember with Prentice Nixon uh, and um, Blake Hinson, who will become eligible. Yeah, it'll create. I mean, the flurry of activity in the transfer portal that you start this year is not going to change. Is what this will. Transfers will become a new, you will have three or four players transferring in and out of any given school in any given year at this point for the foreseeable, just the way it's going to be. So get, get, used to the, get used to the transfer portal. It might help the Cyclones in the short run make this a much shorter rebuild than we originally thought it could be. Mm-hmm. Yep, we will see. And what else I'm uh, looking forward to with high hopes and much anticipation is this upcoming college football season. Um, On Tuesday, this last Tuesday, ESPN came out with their first iteration of the football power index um, for the 2021 football season. And in something that actually surprised me, um, Iowa State was ranked in the top five, not the top 25, the top five. It was in no particular order, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Iowa State. Like one of these things is not like the other. Um, there's there's going to be national buzz coming on this program. They're likely to open as an AP top 10 team. Um, according to that ESPN football power index, there's a greater than 50% chance that Iowa State makes the playoffs. Think about that. 
there's a better chance that Iowa State makes the playoff than there is you flipping tails on a coin. Think about that. That's impressive. Or getting true false right on a quiz. Uh, unless, you, unless you studied. Yeah, right. Unless you studied. The, I do it, recommend studying for all your quizzes, especially with finals coming up. If, if, all, of us, if all of us would have been told, I just want to ask this question just bluntly. Five years ago when Matt Campbell was hired, would any of us been like, oh, yeah, in 2021, Iowa State's going to have greater than a 50% chance to make the college football playoff? Who would have who would have thought whoever we were talking to was, you know, out of their mind? I did misspoke speak. It's only a 41% chance to make the playoffs. Sorry. Quite over 50. That At least a, greater I, than 25% chance to make the playoffs. Who how about, let's just start with a greater than 1% chance of making the playoffs. Let's be honest. If, if you look at that ESPN uh, prediction a little closer too, you'll see that they give us a 9% chance to win it all. Yeah. Like that's, that's a stat. That's a greater than one stat. Mm-hmm. No, Kyle, I would have laughed in your face if you would have told me that five years ago. I wouldn't have believed. Yeah. No way. I, I mean, I would have had to have, you know, that would, that'd be one of those absolutely bold predictions that someone would make that we would just laugh at at the time. But now we're like, oh, man, that is a real possibility. And I mean, if you look at it, the two most experienced teams in the Big 12 Conference are OU and Iowa State. Iowa State actually, ha- I do believe, has more experience coming uh, back than OU does. But obviously, OU has the higher uh, touted recruiting classes. That's why they get the edge. But that game in Norman, Oklahoma this year, I mean, chalk that one up. That That's probably a college game day, national buzz all week. They're talking about Iowa State, OU that's going to have major playoff implications that game in, when is that, the end of September? Um, I'll have to look. I think it's early in the season, yeah. It is It is early in the season, which is, it's going to have, um, maybe it's not. have that feel to it. It is not. It is actually November 20th. Wow. Okay, not early in the season, folks. Late in the season, as I was just saying, yeah. uh, Saturday, sure. is that the Saturday after Thanksgiving or is that the Saturday before Thanksgiving? It's around Thanksgiving. November 4th? No, November 20th. Oh, 20th. I think that's it's probably the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a non-zero chance that both teams are coming into that game undefeated. Iowa State does play Texas, of course, um, a little before that, but and I think OU plays Texas before that in the Red, Red River rivalry. Wow. Yeah, they usually So, yeah, Cyclone fans look forward to that. Another thing you can be looking forward to is just continued buzz that this team continues to circulate. Uh, they did re, uh, get receive the commitments from two of the top linebackers in the state of Iowa uh, and actually received commitments from both of them over – or they had also had offers from the University of Iowa too. So Iowa State is now winning its in-state battles for players, uh, and it is receiving some pretty highly touted, highly recruited um, players, especially at the linebacker position, which will see some major holes after this coming season uh, when Mike Rose inevitably departs the program. Uh, So, I mean, the, the fun isn't over. Uh, hopefully Matt Campbell just continues to stick around this program. 
um, because the excitement continues to build. In other Big 12 news as well, it was announced this week that the Big 12 is eliminating their uh, interconference transfer um, rule. So now players can transfer between teams uh, in the Big 12. They follow, I believe, the and the SEC to do this. I, I can't remember if it was the SEC or the Big 10 um, who did that, but they are the third major Power 5 conference to make such a uh, ruling. So look for that. Uh, one thing that will be pretty uh, important go, coming down the line is a former OU quarterback transfer TCU uh, release. So that will have some interesting impacts in the 12 conferences to come. I should say that it wasn't it wasn't out of the question. They had to receive a special waiver to go to us or another school. A lot of excitement about Cyclone football. We do you season tickets if you got them because tickets are going to be hard to find and expensive this year at uh, at Jack Tice Stadium, especially if it still might not be able to open at uh, full capacity because COVID has not gone away. The MLB season is certainly demonstrating that COVID has not gone away. Um, the Twins are the latest team to be sidelined by COVID. They had had three games canceled already um, this this last weekend and early early week um, because of COVID, with more possible and various other COVID issues on other teams. So COVID has very much not gone away, and it's wreaking some havoc on this MLB season, forcing a lot of double headers. Um, but for the most part. Teams are playing games. They're going to get through this season. There's not any danger that this season is going to get shut down like there was early in last season, that shortened season. Remember, after the Marlins outbreak, everyone was talking that they might have to shut down the season. Um, there's no talk like that, but it's still playing an issue, still still being an issue across baseball. Um, in other news, the standings still don't matter. I'm going to remind you about that every week until Memorial Day because it's true. They still don't matter till Memorial Day, um, unless you're a Yankees fan. Apparently, the Yankees, if you do glance at the standings, even though they don't matter, you would find that the Yankees are currently in last place in the not in just the AL East in the American League. The Yankees right now have the worst record in the American League, which I love, by the way. I'm pretty sure pretty much everybody outside of Yankees fans loves that. Uh, but Yankees fans aren't taking being bad very well. Um, in the eighth inning of uh, Friday, I believe it was Friday's game against Tampa Bay um, with the Yankees um, or the Yankees down eight to two game. The game was paused and the players were called off the field after Yankees fans started throwing baseballs and other objects onto the field of play. Um, apparently booing was no longer enough for them. So they had to start throwing things. Um, don't do that, people. Be angry at your team. It's fine to be angry at your team, but don't overreact and don't throw things on the field. Just don't. Also, don't throw back your home run balls or your foul balls. Those are keepsakes. Keep them. If you don't want them, give them to a kid. I'm sure you could find a kid somewhere around that stadium who would love to have that ball. Don't throw it back. Don't throw your home run balls back. I don't care who hit it. Sorry, I didn't anticipate on going on that ramp here, but you know well. To ease you out of your rant, I do have a uh, little little uh, fun fact trivia thing for you and Wyatt. So who are the two teams in Major League Baseball that currently have not lost a season series in 2021? Can you name those two teams? Kansas City and L.A. You got it. 
Dang. Boom. You are correct. And I mean, one of those teams, a lot of fans would expect. Another one of those teams, a lot of fans wouldn't expect. One fat, fun fact that I had about the Royals is they have, uh, since this past uh, home series, they have not lost a game uh, in 50. They have not lost a game. So 55 games straight after leading uh, in the seventh inning or later in that baseball game, which I thought was a pretty unique fact since the Royals have been atrocious the past two seasons. Um, That was something that I didn't even expect as a Royals fan. So it just goes to show that it's a long season. Um, The Royals ain't, ain't anything special, but for some reason they're leading the American League Central right now. Yep. But don't look at the standings. It doesn't matter. Kyle, you looked at the standings. If you know they're in first place in the AL Central. It means yeah, but you also looked at the standings because you knew that the Yankees were the in last I, place in the American League. I didn't look, look at the standings. I just read an article where somebody else looked at the standings for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Likely story. And just so Yankees fans can stop panicking, according to uh, fan graphs, you still have a 72% chance of making the playoffs. Relax. It's okay. Twins fans, relax. You have a 54% chance of making the playoffs. Relax. Cubs fans, maybe you should panic a little bit. You only have a 13% chance. Hey, we'd be a lot better if we could hit the ball with the stick thing. Well, speaking of those hits, uh, as of last Thursday, uh, so what would that be? April, April 15th. Here's a fun fact for you Cubs fans. They only had 59 hits uh, up until that Thursday. They had fewer hits than these following teams had runs scored this season. The Reds, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, Astros, White Sox, Angels, Twins, and Cardinals. That that ain't a lot of hits. Um, and, and usually you got to have some hits in order to score some runs. So maybe they should start doing that thing with that, that piece of lumber. Told you if we could hit the, the round thing with the stick thing, we'd be a lot better. I promise. This thing in sports is hitting a round ball with a round bat. That's right. Who decided to make the bat round? Why isn't it flat like in cricket? It's easier to hit. It's easier to hit a round thing with a flat thing than hit a round thing with a round thing. Just saying. I'm sure there's a reason, and now I want to go find out. I'm sure there's some indie Netflix documentary out there that's <laughs> why the baseball bats are round. I'm going to go it watch it and then a report back next week so that's what i was gonna say that's your homework for next week figure out why baseball bats are round um yeah speaking of round ish objects moving on to our weekly turtle tab um will and Zastadio at his somewhat roundish appearance um, <laughs> he had quite the interesting week despite the twins lack of games um he still had two very interesting plays earlier in the week in the series against Boston. He had his very athletic slide into first base to avoid a tag and be safe at first base on a throwing error. Don't slide into first base unless you're doing it to avoid a tag. Avoiding a tag is the only time you should slide into first base. It is mathematically proven that sliding into first base is a bad idea unless it's to avoid a tag. So there, you get a two for one. Go look up the video of Willens Astadio sliding athletically into first base and don't do it unless you're avoiding a tag. 
The second exciting thing this week was he again appeared in a game as a pitcher. It's the second time in his career he's appeared as a pitcher. The first one coming in 2019. Um, the second one was against the Angels in Friday night's game. Um, he appeared in the eighth inning and actually did really, really well. He had a seven-pitch, one-two-three eighth inning, including two pitches at 46 miles an hour, which which is tied for the slowest pitch in recent um, recent memory. Um, Clayton Kershaw did throw a 46-mile-an-hour pitch in 2016, but other than that, I couldn't find anything that was at least that slow. So it was tied for the slowest pitch in recent history. And it was a strike, too. Zach, for, for reference, Zach Granke, who is one who's thrown a lot of slow pitches more recently in his aging career, uh, he has thrown one at 51 miles per hour this year. There was a strike, but nothing slower than that. Yeah. Yep. So go find those Willems Studio highlights, especially that slide. He looked like an athlete on that slide. Let me tell you. Go look that up. Do yourselves a favor. Um, today on Mike's Stupid Rules, we have a special edition of Kyle talking about a rule because he knows more about golf than I do. Kyle, what do you got from the world of golf? Honestly, I don't know how much more I know about golf than you, but I indeed looked up this rule after I saw this video. It was a pretty crazy moment uh, in what was the uh, RBC Heritage Tournament that happened this previous weekend. Um, so Siwoo Kim, who is an athlete of a golfer, uh, he had a putt for birdie. Um, and this putt ended up with in a with about a tenth of an inch from the actual hole itself it's what they call the cliffhanger uh so the ball was pretty much teetering on the edge of the green and the cup uh and they were all watching to see if the ball was going to drop in now that's where this rule comes into play so as as rule 13.3a states uh, in the golf rule book, the player is allowed a reasonable time to reach the hole and 10 more seconds to wait to see whether the ball will fall into the hole. Uh, in this case, Kim and his uh, caddy, as well as his playing partner and their caddy, all stood around watching the ball, waiting to see if it would go in. Eventually, this ball did fall into the hole, but they had waited uh, about three quarters of a minute for such thing, such event to happen, in which case uh, Kim was given an extra stroke by the rules official. Uh, and that was the end of that. Now, the reason it was a little controversial is the rules official, uh, whose name is Stephen Cox, he came over and Kim's playing partner argued that he saw that the ball was actually moving. So in the golf rule book, there is also a, um, a uh, rule about not being able to hit a moving ball, uh, which comes in uh, rule 9.3, uh, or sorry, 9.4 um, of the rule book. So you cannot hit a moving ball. So that's why they were arguing that, well, the ball was moving, but there is an exemption in rule 13.3a which I already stated where you have to hit the ball in a reasonable amount of time. And the reason why is in this situation, the rules are modified 
uh, because you could argue that there comes a point in time which the golf ball has to be played, and that's why there is a time limit added to this rule. Uh, both players uh, stated, wow, Kim actually took it surprisingly well. I would have been a lot more uh, uh, emotionally upset about that call. I would have been a little furious, but the rules are the rules, and that's a golf rule. Thank you, Kyle, for filling us in on the rules of golf on this episode of the 8311 cast. Um, As we do always on the 8311 cast, um, we will next bring you the accountability session, um, which we do have things in the accountability session um, for this week. We have two predictions coming off the board this week, one from Josh, and one from Wyatt. Um, is that yeah? That's correct, right? What? Yeah, yeah, correct. Those should be coming off the board. Okay, so Josh predicted that the Cub or that the Brewers would take exactly two out of three from the Cubs, which they did. So for that, Josh gets a ding, 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 and Wyatt predicted. The Cubs would take two out of three from the Brewers, which did not happen. So for that, he gets a nah. nah. That is it for our accountability session. Um, so as always, uh, Kyle, would you like to put some things back on the board for? I mean, sure. It's a penalty if I don't, at least in next season. Uh, so here's what I'm going to say. Since the Royals have yet to lose a series, I'm going to say that they will not lose their first series until after – May 1st. Um, okay, so let's take a look at this schedule here. See who they've got here between now. So, so they play They play four against Tampa – or sorry, I should say three against Tampa Bay starting uh, the 19th. They have four against Detroit, two against the Pirates, and then a series with the Twins at the start of May. I will include that prediction until the end of that twin series, May 2nd. Okay. So that'll be 12 games, including the game they're currently playing. So splitting, splitting a series, what happens if they split a series? You're still good, right? Because you said won't lose. You're still good because they've split a couple series so far this season. Okay. They will not lose a series. Yeah. Okay. So basically they will win or split their next five or four series. No, five series. Five series. No, four series. Four. Or yeah, four. Sorry. Math is hard. Um boy. Double, triple. What do you think? Man, I don't know. Uh it's either a double or a triple. Yeah, you're right. Kyle, what do you want for this? I want a triple. I think that's more than a double. I'm fine with that. I'll agree with you. Tampa Bay and Minnesota are both tough teams. So, and Detroit it hasn't been a slouch so far. I mean, they are in last place in the. They did sweep the Astros. Yes, but the Astros are also were also very beat up and coveted. Thought you said you didn't look at the standings, Mike. Anyway, my <laughs> prediction. Um, is that the Twins will eventually end up above 500. Right now they're below 500. Um, I, and I know without looking at the standings, Kyle, that they're 6-8 and eight because they're my team and I keep track of their record on a schedule taped to my wall. Right, okay. Um, 
Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad you're not a fair weather fan and you don't have to look that up. Yeah, they're six and eight right now. So there's there's no there's no time restraint to this. It's just will, by the end of the season. They will eventually get above five hundred. At some point this year, they will get back to above five hundred. That's a single. Yeah, it'll most likely happen, right? Yeah, I'm fine with single. That's fine. I just wanted to get a single up there. Okay. I was I, I didn't know if you were hoping for more there. Oh, that's fine. I will not complain about that. We say the standings don't mean a thing, and you're right. But I'm going to say the Cubs will not be at the bottom of the NL Central on May 1st, or by May 1st, including a game that may or may not be played on May 1st. The Cubs will be not at the bottom of the NL Central. So when I wake up on May 2nd, the Cubs will not be at the bottom of the NL Central? Correct. So now you're going to make me look at the standings. Um, Right now they are half a game behind Pittsburgh. They are in last half a game behind Pittsburgh a game behind St. Louis, two games behind Milwaukee, and three behind Cincinnati. Um, they're like upcoming a reasonable schedule. shot of jumping Pittsburgh. Yeah, their upcoming schedule is, let's see. I mean, I'd hope so. It was projected to be one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball this year. Their schedule between now and May 1st is three against the Mets, three against the Brewers, four at the Braves, and then the first two games of a three-game series at the Reds. And they don't have any. No, the Mets and Brewers and Braves are all and Reds are all good teams. Double, single. Double. Who do the Pirates have? I feel like that's it because I feel like if any other team, they're gonna jump the Pirates. So the Pirates have games against Detroit, Minnesota, Kansas City, and St. Louis. Yeah, I have a feeling. I double, I guess. Okay, double. I'm fine with that. We'll give them a double. Double it is. Beautiful. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yep, he's still alive. He's uh, following this Brewers series closely. Um, he's predicting that the Brewers, who are starting a three-game series against Cincinnati on Monday night, oh, sorry, against San Diego on Monday night, um, Josh is predicting that they will be in first place in the division after this San Diego series. They are currently in second place, one game behind the Reds. Um, during the Brewers three-game series, the Reds have an off day, followed by two games against Arizona. I mean, if they win, what? They only have to win two of those games, right? Well, it depends on what the Reds do. So, if, if, the, if the Reds win their first game, or if the, do if the, the Reds win their first game, the Brewers would need to sweep, and the Reds would need to lose their second game. The Brewers need to win two more games than the Reds do in the next three days in order for that to happen. We could probably figure out the stats of that, but... I'm too lazy to do that right now, though. Why do that? This, to me, seems like a triple, because San Diego's a really good ball club. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, triple it is. Triple it is. We couldn't quite get the cycle. If someone would have hit a home run, we would have hit the cycle. But we did. We got a single. We got a double. And we got two triples. Which means we're at the end of the Write That Down prediction segment. Which means, of course, we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 127 of the 8311 cast. Be sure to check us out again next week. But until then, signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.